Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. Praise God. Thank you, Alex. I think I'm fine today. Amen. Are you happy in church? Yeah. We've been talking about knowing the Father heart of God. And recently, I was blessed to, to watch a short 2003 movie uh, on the love of a father. It was nominated for the Academy Award for the best short film. And most of all, it powerfully portrays John 3:16. So let's watch this short clip right now.
Praise God. I want you to take our Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. A moment ago, uh, our events coordinator uh, really just wanted me to remind you, next week we are going to have our vision weekend. This is the first vision weekend in, in almost two years, maybe more than two years. And, and we'll be sharing about the latest development of the church, the direction that God is leading us into. So it's going to be an interesting service. And we're going to have special items and performances. So make sure next week you come for our vision weekend. So turn to your neighbor and say, come for vision weekend next week. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, which is the most famous of all the parables of Jesus Christ. But it should have been better called the parable of the two lost sons because it is really the story of a father's love for his two boys. Both boys were alienated from the father. Both were equally lost. But both times, the father reached out to them with extraordinary love and compassion. Now, in the first part, we, we, we see the younger son, he was rebellious and self-centered. And to him, the father was in the way of his personal pursuit of his own dreams and his own desires. You know, his dad was cramping his style. So one day, he made his demand. Father, I want my inheritance now. And by doing so, he's really saying, Dad, I just wish that you're dead and just give me what is rightfully mine. He was absolutely disrespectful, but he didn't care. Even if he was deeply hurting his dad, by his attitude, and it was a rotten attitude. But the father, one could have kicked him out of the house. He didn't. He loved him so much, he sold the land and gave him a third of the estate. The younger son, according to verse 13, then set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he was partying, he was sleeping with prostitutes, he was working finally. Uh, you know, it was so bad, he was living the high life, but, but eventually he lost everything and he found himself living with the pigs. Finally, he came to his senses. He said, I will humble myself, I will go back home to my dad, and I will just be one of his servants. I just worked for him. So in verse 20, he got up, he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The love and tenderness of the father broke the heart of this prodigal boy. Oh, immediately he confessed, Father, 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 I'm sorry, Dad. I've sinned against you, Father. But before he could even complete what he wanted to say, the dad said, Come, bring the best robe, and clothe him with the best robe, which spoke of honor and gave him a ring which speaks of, uh, of authority and gave him sandals which speaks of freedom because slaves in those days do not wear shoes. Well, the father then killed the feathered calf and threw the biggest party ever in the village in the community. That's part one. Then part two begins. In came the older brother. Uh-oh, bad news. Turn to your neighbor and say, the older brother came. Come on, just tell him that. <laughs> older brother. And look at verse 25. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. 
Now, Jesus called this older brother, on purpose, he called him Presbyterios. Where you get the word Presbyterian, that means an elder, a Zhang Lao Hui, right? An elder. So, if you like, he's, he's somewhat similar to a leader, an elder, a senior in the house of the father. Now, Jesus did that on purpose. And then this elder brother, he was obedient, dutiful, law-abiding. He was faithful, he was hardworking, he was respectable, a model son, if you like. In fact, he was a saintly boy, a saintly man who brought no disgrace whatsoever to the family, to the community, to the village. But yet, he was every bit as rebellious as his prodigal younger brother. When he heard that the father has reinstated the younger brother and threw a party for him, he was furious. I mean, where's the justice? Where's the penalty? By refusing to go to the feast, he openly embarrassed and demeaned his dad in front of the entire community. He refused to come into the celebration. But the father loved him deeply. So the father humbled himself and went out and begged him and pleaded with him, come on, please, don't behave like this. Come and join us for the dinner. Come and join us for the celebration. But he stubbornly refused to go in. So you can imagine, the crowd were all listening to Jesus. And there's an amazing twist. There's a twist. The younger brother who left the estate, who left the house, is now back with the father in the house, while the older brother who faithfully remained and worked in the house all these years now found himself outside the house. The outsider was now the inside, and the insider was now outside. What an irony. What a twist. Now, we all learned this about two weeks ago. Amazing story. You can imagine how the audience were captivated when Jesus was telling this parable. But why did Jesus tell this story in the first place? You see, every time you study the Bible, you must always go to the context. You see, what was he trying to achieve? Jesus was really speaking to the Pharisees and scribes. The religious elders, that's why he used the word Presbyterians, the religious leaders of the temple. So let's back up a little bit to the first three verses. Luke 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. Now Jesus was befriending all the sinners, all the people with dubious reputation in the society, the worldly people out there in society, especially the drunkards, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, people who are living life far, far away from God. Jesus was receiving them, eating with them. Now, you must remember in ancient Middle Eastern, in fact, even today, in the Middle East, 
If somebody takes you out for dinner, eats with you publicly, it means he accepts you. He receives you. Jesus openly accepts, uh, accepted these people hanging around the sinners. And the Pharisees and scribes were upset. The leaders of the temple of the church, if you like, were upset. So Jesus told them not one, but three parables. The first parable is called the parable of the lost sheep. A man was tending a flock of a hundred sheep. One got lost. The, the shepherd left all the 99 behind. He went out searching, searching until he found the sheep. And then it says in the verse, verse 6, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now, the second parable is called the parable of the lost coin. In this story, a woman had 10 silver coins. One got lost. Now, the, the woman didn't write it off. Oh, too bad, I lost the coin. No, he, she lighted a lamp, swept the house, searched the entire place until he found the coin. And then in verse 9, he calls the friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me. For I found the peace which I lost. Now, the third parable is the story we have been studying, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, you notice in each parable, something is lost. First, it was a sheep. Then it was a coin. And then it was a son, right? Something is lost. And in each parable, the lost is found. And in each one, it ends with a great celebration, a great feast when that which is lost, or that which was lost, is recovered. But there is one big difference between the third parable and the first two stories. In the first two stories, someone went out looking diligently for the lost thing. But in the third parable, no one went searching for the lost son. Nobody went out. Now, who was supposed to look for this lost younger brother? Who's the brother's keeper? Should have been the elder brother, right? Should have been the older son. In fact, when the older son saw his kid brother telling his father to drop dead and give him his portion of the inheritance, well, he did nothing. He kept very, very quiet. And how many of you know sometimes silence screams louder than anything else? By not saying anything, he was screaming aloud the true nature of his heart. You know, he kept quiet because he had a financial incentive to do nothing. If the younger brother got one-third of the inheritance, it means at the same time he would get two-thirds, double. So there's a financial reason for him to keep his mouth shut. Now, the right thing for this older brother to do was to help heal the broken relationship between the dad and his kid brother. As the elder one in a Jewish home, he had the responsibility to be the mediator of all family crises. 
He should have gone to the dad and said, Dad, don't worry. Let me solve this. I will go and set younger brother straight. He should have gone out, looked for him, reasoned with his brother, tried hard to persuade him and help him to come back to his senses. But instead, he did nothing. Instead, he happily took and enjoyed his own share of the inheritance, which was twice the younger brother's portion. Now that the prodigal son had returned, the older brother was filled with self-righteous indignation. I mean, how could my dad reinstate this ungrateful, good-for-nothing brother of mine with no punishment? I mean, what is this? Where's the justice? The father had to go out to this angry, resentful elder brother, begging him to come into the feast. You see, he was just as lost and just as rebellious as the younger brother. But while the sin of the prodigal son was visible for all to see, the rebellion of this older brother was more dangerous. You see, it was hidden. It was in his heart, secret, hidden, hardened, hypocritical. People can see it at the first, but it was inside. Listen to what the older brother said to his father in verse 29. All these years, I've been slaving for you. You work me so hard in this house. You make me sacrifice so much for you. You know, you deprive me of a normal life and a good family time. You make me a slave in the house. Notice what he said in verse 29. And I have never disobeyed your orders. I have lived such a disciplined, morally strict life. You know, I, I've, been, I've been deprived of normal enjoyment and fun out there in the world. I deny myself of what normal people could enjoy out there. I have kept all your commands. And then, what did he say? You never threw a party for me. You never celebrated for me. I guess nothing I ever do is good enough for you. Now, every word was dripping with anger. Every word was dripping with bitterness and resentment for his father. He may have remained in the father's house faithfully all his life. But I tell you, he might as well be a million miles outside far, far away because in his heart, he has cut himself and alienated himself from a relationship with his father. See, what season are we in in City Harvest Church right now? We say, this is a year of? I can't hear you. This is a year of? Say like 20 times loud. This is a year of? Relationship. Relationship. But of all the relationships we can have, the ultimate relationship we must have it's with God, our Heavenly Father. 
here was this guy. I mean, he didn't go out to a distant land. He stayed in the house. Is it possible that we can be cell group leaders, connect group leaders, executive members, church workers, and we stay in the house? We work in the church. And we minister ever since we have a chance to grow in God. And we work and we serve and we obey and we deny ourselves from everything else out there. At the same time, we have alienated ourselves in our heart from a heavenly Father who loves us so much. See, Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees and scribes, listen, the elder brother was just as lost. The issue here is not hard work. The issue here is not obedience or sacrifice. The issue here is relationship. Somewhere, while the elder brother was serving and obeying and growing and giving and sacrificing, somewhere along that line, he lost that first love and the relationship with his dad. And we are lost when we have no more love relationship with our father. You know, we, we tend to think about being lost in very simplistic terms. What do you mean to be lost? Oh, if you are drinking, smoking, gambling, swearing, you are lost. If you are womanizing, you, you, you are, you know, uh, cheating, lying, if you have greed, you have lust, yeah, yeah, you are lost. But what is more dangerous? It's not the outward, visible lostness. What's more dangerous is the inward, secret lostness of a hardened heart. A hardened heart. Everybody say out loud with me. Say repentance. repentance. Say again, repentance. repentance. Repentance must go deeper than just the regrets for our sins or wrongdoings. The younger brother came back to the house. And how many of you know he got a long list of wrongdoings? He got drunk. He slept with prostitutes. He wasted money, he was rude, he was this, he was that. You name it, he did it. He's a bad guy. A list of many wrongdoings. And those things, he got to show regrets, he got to confess. Now the older brother, he got nothing on the list of wrongdoings. He said, Father, I have obeyed all your orders. He had kept every commandment. He had kept every word. He got nothing on his list of wrongdoings. Nothing. And the father did not contradict him. He's true. This guy is close to being perfect. But yet, he was far outside the feast of father's love. You can be almost perfect in your conduct and yet totally lost and in need of a savior. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about your friend. <laughs> listen, listen. 
Just listen to this. If all we ever do, guys, if all we do is just to repent from all the bad things that we have done and nothing else, then we may just well be elder brothers. If all you ever do is just to stop whatever, you know, God saved me, changed me, I repented, I used to be a gambler, I used to be a drinker, I used to curse and swear, but now I don't do it. Guess what? You may just remain an elder brother. You see, repentance must go deeper. True repentance is not just a turning from, it is a turning to. You're turning from your sins. But you got to turn to God. If you just turn from your wrongdoings and you don't turn to the Father, you're stuck here. You're just an elder brother. In fact, the word conversion, in the Greek is this word epistrophal. It means to turn from something and to turn to God. Acts 26 verse 18. Jesus speaking, this is the words of Jesus Christ, to open their eyes in order to convert them to epistrophal, to turn them, now watch, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to where? To the Father. How many of you know you can get on the highway? You can get on the expressway and still be lost. Right? If this morning you get on the expressway and you went to Jurong West and you're wondering, where's everybody? <laughs> you're lost. Jesus came to be the way to bring us back to the Father, not to the blessings. I, I, although, yes, it's to the but not just to the blessing, not just to the anointing. Not just to the inheritance. Although, yes, we are seated in heavenly places. In Christ, I'm going to have this. In Christ, I'm going to have that. I'm going to be a head and not the tail. I'm going to be healed in Christ. Yes, but it's not just that. It's not just that. Jesus is the way, not just to bring us to the rewards. If Christianity is only about the blessings, the anointing, the ministry, the knowledge, the position, the status, the angelic visitation. Oh, hallelujah. I just saw 20 angels this morning. Oh, praise God. I got the spiritual gifts. If Christianity, if our Christianity is only thus that, and not to the Father, not a love relationship with the Father, then we are just as equally lost. You know, every week I hear people, Oh, pastor, I long for the anointing. I long for the revival. I, I hardly hear people say, Pastor, you know what? I just spent some time with God and the Father just showed me this. Man, Jesus is not saying that the younger brother was better than the older brother. And he was certainly not saying the older brother was better than the younger brother. But the moment they lost their relationship with their father, they were both lost. One became very selfish. The other one became very severe. But both were equally lost. 
because they lost the focus of a life with their father. Listen, you got to understand this. God the Father must be the focus of our entire life. God the Father must be the focus of our lives. In fact, you can say the heart of the universe is the Father's heart. God the Father is the focus of the entire universe. The whole salvation story starts with God the Father. I mean, yes, Jesus is the center of our lives. But listen, Jesus is the Son. And, and, and sometimes you forget who started the redemption process. You see, it is the Father who loved the world so much, He sent His only begotten Son. It was God the Father that sent Jesus the Son, the most famous verse, John 3.16. The Father is the goal of all mankind. Jesus became the way to bring us back to Him. Eternal life is the love relationship we have the Father through the Son, Jesus. It is the Father who sent us the Holy Spirit to be the helper. In fact, how many of you are feeling the Spirit and you speak in tongues and you're so glad and praise God for that? Will you lift up your hands right now? Now, it is called, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. Man, the Father is the source of all spiritual blessings. We get it in Jesus' name. The name of Christ is the key, Jesus the key. But the source comes from the Father. Wow. You see, Jesus says the Father is the one we should pray to. Our Father, which art in heaven, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He, the Father, will give you. One day we're all going to go to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven someday? Put up your hands. Heaven is the ultimate Father's house. And in my Father's house are many, many mansions. So while Jesus, the Son, supplies the salvation and the Holy Spirit does all the work, it is the Father that gives us this Father-Son, Daughter-Son, uh, Father-Daughter, Father-Son relationship. That's how we become children of God. It's the Father. Oh, come on, let's give the Father a big clap. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. So, not to have a love relationship with the Father is to miss the whole purpose of our existence. One of our greatest church fathers, Augustine, once said this, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That means salvation comes when we have a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, and we rest secure in his arms. You see, until we rest secure in a relationship with God our Father. Now this story, this parable has a moving happy ending for the prodigal son because he turned from his sin and came back to his father. But it had a sad ending for the older brother who were really the Pharisees and the scribes. 
Because although the father was pleading, begging him to come into the feast, begging them to come in, the Pharisees and the scribes, they wouldn't budge. The Pharisees continued to oppose Jesus Christ. Eventually, they were the ones that instigated the arrest and crucifixion. They killed the Messiah on the cross. What a tragic ending to a story filled with mercy, with hope, with forgiveness and joy. But actually, this is not just a story of a father with two brothers, with two sons. There is a third son. Hallelujah. The third son, and he's the one telling the story. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the elder brother. Can we give the Lord a big clap? Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Oh, come on, you want to clap? Let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. He's the true elder brother. He's the one who fully understands the heart of the Father. He's the one who welcomes the lost like you and me into the feast. He's the one who stands at the door and ushers us in. He's the one who serves at the table and washes the feet of the disciples. He's the one who receives and eats with sinners like you and I. In fact, in the parable, the words of the father to the elder brother was really meant to the eternal son. What did the father say, say in verse 31? My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. And those words were meant for Jesus Christ, who's always with the Father, and everything the Father has is His. Jesus showed us the right image of God we should have in our mind. See, God is not a strict, unforgiving judge that wants to cram our style and take away the joy from our lives, just like how the younger boy thought, and so we better run far away from him. No, God's not like that. But neither is God this ungrateful, unpeaceable slave driver that wants to work and work and work us to death. That's how the elder brother thought. Jesus came to model what it means to have a love relationship with God. You see, he had an intimate childlike relationship with him. At a time when everybody was calling God Yahweh, or Jehovah, or Elohim, or Adonai. He called him Father. Wow, what audacity, huh? You know, he actually called God Father. He is my Father. God is the Father. Almost every chapter in the Gospel of John, and I went and checked through this week, I think every chapter except four, Jesus addressed God as the Father, His Father. He says he's constantly in the bosom of his heavenly father. Hallelujah. He could feel God wrapping his arms around him all the time. In turn, Jesus is very assured of God's love for him. Look at John 3.35. The father loves the son extravagantly. He turned everything over to him so he could give it away, a lavish distribution of gifts. 
John 5 verse 20, the Father loves the Son and includes Him in everything He is doing. Jesus says, my Father loves me so extravagantly. Everything He's doing, I'm involved. That's how intimate He felt. Jesus had a deep, deep sense of God's love. Come on, let's all read John 14, 31 together, starting now. For, but so the world might know how thoroughly I love the Father. I'm carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. I thoroughly love the Father. I love Him true and true. Jesus says, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. That means I really, really, really know the Father's heart. And I tell you, this one is, is the ultimate. John 14, verse 28. You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you love me, you'll be glad that I'm on my way to the Father because the Father is the goal and purpose of my life. Everybody say, wow. And, the, and let me tell you, the Father should be the purpose and the goal of all our lives. To have a love relationship with Him. Oh, come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's give Him praise. Let's give the Lord praise. Let's give God, our Heavenly Father, a big hand. Hallelujah. The mind of Jesus is the mind of the Father. The words of Jesus is the words of the Father. The acts of Jesus is the acts of the Father. But listen, it is, it is not an obedience based on submission to power. Man, I'm so afraid. I, I better do it because if not, I'm going to get mocked. No, 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 no. It was an obedience based out of love. It's not an obedience based out of submission to power like the older brother. It's an obedience based out of love. Not because he had to. Because he loved to. Because he loved to. That's the true elder brother. That's how he came to model a relationship. Do you want to know what is Jesus' prayer for you and I today? How many of you want to know what is Jesus praying for us right now? Put up your hands. Yeah, let me tell you, he says in the Bible, all right, Jesus says, Father, I pray that my disciples might know that you love them as much as you love me. What is Jesus' prayer for us this morning? Father, I pray that all the members of City Harvest Church, all the new friends, all the old friends, all the workers, all the staff, all the volunteers, all the cell leaders, all the board members, that they will know how much you love them the way you love me. Now, for me to understand, or for me to think that God loves the Son, I can accept that. But to think that God loves me, who am I? Call me. God loves me. In exactly the same way, he loves Jesus Christ. Wow. I will say that wow, and I will say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, hallelujah. Okay, I, oh, go ahead and give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. But what did the intimacy of love do for Jesus' son? Notice, Jesus was willing to go to the cross without any guarantee. He was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to die with no guarantee, no warranty, no contract. You know what? Nobody had ever resurrected from the dead until Jesus. Nobody, some have raised from the dead, but eventually they die. I mean, Lazarus raised from the dead, but he would die. Elijah raised somebody from the dead, but eventually he would die. Nobody ever resurrected from the dead and never died after that. What if Jesus was deluded? How would he know if I go to the cross and I die three days later? I'm going to rise again. What if after Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday? All Jesus had was just a few verses of Scripture in the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews said Jesus read the books. There are only a few verses. Verses like, a body you have prepared for me, in the morning I will rise again. Just a few verses. What if he's mistaken? What if he's wrong? What if he goes to the cross and then he's not really the savior? You can tell the conflict he was going through at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed, Father, if it is possible, please take this cup away from me. Father, if it's possible, Please, don't ask me to go through this challenge. It's too great. He was in such pain and such agony. The Bible says his sweats became like droplets of blood. He was in pain. Jesus struggled. The Gospel of Mark says that he was deeply distressed and exceedingly sorrowful. So he struggled in the garden. He prayed. And he prayed again, saying the same words, Father, you can do all things. Nothing is impossible for you. God, deliver me. Don't let me do this. Take this cup away, Father, I beg you. You can do all things. Jesus prayed, saying the same words, begging again and again. Please, Father, Father, please, Father, take this cup away. Then at the climax of the night, at the climax, he cried from the bottom of his heart. And for the first time, we understand the depth of relationship between Jesus and God. Jesus cried out, Abba, 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 Father. Abba, 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 please take this cup away, but not my will, but yours be done, Abba. I trust you, Abba. If you want me to do it, I trust you. I'll do it. I'll go to the cross. 
this is the first time the word Abba ever, ever appears in Scripture. And it reveals the intimacy, the, the absolute depth of his love relationship with God. Jesus called him Abba. Do you know what Abba means? Abba means daddy. It means papa. Papi. Abba is a word you reserve for somebody you love very deeply and you trust completely. Someone you're fully convinced will never, ever, ever let you down. That every promise that He has made to you will come to pass. Only such a person will break your heart in abandonment. You say, Abba, not my will, but yours be done. Because you have the courage. That revelation gives you the courage to trust Him with your life and your future totally and completely. And you know what's the good news? Guys, the good news is the Bible tells us that God has given us the Holy Spirit by whom we too can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, come on, go ahead and give Abba Father a big clap. Let him know that you love him. Let him know that you love him this morning. Abba. That means we can go through anything. We can go through everything. When we are convinced, he's our Abba. He's Father. He's Daddy. And Abba Father loves us. We can endure any trial or any difficulty if we have a deep, deep sense that God really, really loves us. I told you two weeks ago how 22 months back when this crisis first started and I was really, really down. And I was in the depth of depression and I never thought I could ever be depressed because you know me those of you that grew up I'm, I'm quite a positive guy generous in gesture always high praise God we can do all things nothing is impossible but for eight months for eight months I just sank deeper and deeper into a sinking abyss in which I cannot come out I had no problem sleeping because God gives His beloved sleep. Thank God for that. But I had problems waking up. Some days, I opened my eyes. And then I said, oh no, this is a nightmare. I cannot snap out of. And I just dragged waking up to face another day because it's a lot of interrogation. It's a lot of interviews. It's the media to contend with. Authorities to answer to. And then there's problems in the church. You know, I mean, people are saying this, they're saying that. Things that I cannot express openly because I'm under investigation. And then I hear people passing rumors here, rumors there, and some left, some are maneuvering. 
I woke up every morning. I said, God, must I go through this? And I struggled. Sometimes it, take, it, it would take me two hours, three hours. Drag myself out of bed to wash my face and just brush my teeth. Eight months. And let, let me tell you, it wasn't the pressure of the crisis because I can handle pressure. It wasn't the public humiliation in the press, although they were nasty. It wasn't, it wasn't the reaction of people that I didn't expect. My friends, we grew together, we worked together. Why are you doing this to me? As bad as it was, it wasn't that. Let me tell you what God to me, which I shared with you two weeks ago, was the sense I've been abandoned by God. Because I have, I have known God for 37 years. I have served Him full time, hardly with any rest in between, for 26 years. You know, I always felt the presence of God. You heard me share this. God's presence always with me. But for the first time in eight months, for eight long months, God was almost totally silent. For eight months, He said nothing. I prayed. You heard me sharing. I offered the sacrifice of praise. I said, Father, I declare I love you. But nothing. Not a word. I have never gone through a length of period like this where I heard nothing from God. I felt He has abandoned me. I felt it's over. Kong is over. God has abandoned you. In January 2011, I was in Surabaya preaching about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I shared with you how when I was preaching and, and Jesus cried out on the cross, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why, why, God, where are you? And I was preaching extemporaneously. I was, I was in a flow. And suddenly, I heard myself saying this. Jesus crying out, Father, why have you abandoned me? And God the Father turned his face, weeping, and said, Oh, Jesus, my son. I'm sorry you got to go through this, but you have to take the sin of the whole world. Go and die on that cross to bring salvation to all mankind. And God the Father turned His face from sin and wept. And when I heard myself saying that, I froze at the Surabaya service behind the pulpit. And I started sobbing, sobbing. I broke down and cried because in my heart, I was echoing the exact same sentiment as Jesus Christ the Son. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why? And right there, I heard God speaking to me for the first time in eight months. For the first time. And it wasn't the voice of an angry, strict judge. It wasn't the voice of a severe master that would just want to drive me to work for him. No. It was the voice of a tender, 
loving, broken-hearted father. And I heard him whispering to me. I could hear tears in his voice. He said, Kongi, my son, I'm so sorry you got to go through this, but you must go through this alone so that you and City Harvest Church can be the person and the church I've called you guys to be. God spoke to me for the first time in eight months and standing behind the pulpit, waves upon waves of His love just overwhelmed me. And let me tell you, it was that love and the words of the Father that broke the chains of depression and got me out of them. Oh, hallelujah. Will you help me just give God a big hand? Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Give Father God a big clap. I heard him saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And all I could do as I stood behind the pulpit, all I could say was, Abba, 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 Abba. You know, faith works through love. Everybody say with me, faith works through love. That means my faith our faith is released in its full power, mountain-moving power, when we are fully, fully convinced that God, our Father, really, really loves us. Because faith can only work through love. Then we can carry any cross and we can do anything in His name for His glory. You know, I, let me tell you in closing what I was meditating this week. This week, God gave me a verse. Luke 5, verse 16. So He Himself, Jesus Himself, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus withdrew by Himself into the wilderness. Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness. Now for what? For what? To spend time alone with the Father. The rest of the gospel tell us this. To spend time with his Abba. And the Bible says he did that often. Can we show the verse again? He did that often. He himself often withdrew. He withdrew what? Often. Everybody say often. Right? Now, think for a moment. If you know you only have three and a half years and then you're going to die, what kind of life will you live? If you know you only got three and a half years, I can tell you, you'll be very busy meeting, super busy meeting as many people as you can. You got a packed schedule. You'll be planning. You'll be strategizing. Guys, come on, don't waste my time. I'm racing against time. I only got three and a half years and it's going to be over. So I got to work. I'm a, you'll be very hard pressed for time. But Jesus withdrew himself to spend time alone with his father. When he only got three and a half years, 
we got a whole lifetime. And yet we're so busy, busy, running, racing against time. And we became elder brothers. Let me tell you, Jesus took time off to be with his father. Not just to pray to God. Not just to pray for God. God, I pray for the revival. God, I pray for the ministry. God, I pray for the healing. God, I pray for my cell group. No, 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 no. Jesus spent time with the Father just to love Him, just to be with Him, just to know Him, to connect with Him, just to connect with Him. Many of you are being trained to be connect groups, coordinators or leaders. Before you can connect others to the church, you've got to connect to God. You've got to have a relationship with God. Getting closer. Jesus just wants to get closer. Not just going over prayer lists. Not just having intercessory time. Listen guys, this is probably my last session. I'm going to talk about God as Father because next week's Vision Weekend. And then God is going to take us into something else. But let me say this. Let me say this. Please hear my heart. God the Father is not a concept. It is not an idea, a sermon title, a series that we are doing, uh, you know, a, a, a theological thought. No. He's your Abba. He's your Daddy. Loving Him means... In, in the midst of us racing against time, our busy schedule, right? We are very busy. We got so many things to do. Planning, meeting, working, earning money, family time. We make room for Him just to be in His presence. Like what I said two weeks ago, just to breathe with Him. Father, No agendas. Just want to love you, worship you, be with you. Just developing a consciousness of His love and His presence all around you. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap this morning. Come, musicians, singers, come up. Come to the stage right now. Go ahead and give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Are you going through a challenging time in your health, in your body, in your financial situation, in your family, your marriage? Are you going through a challenging time in your career, in the ministry, in your job? You know what, guys? Maybe some of you are like the younger son. You think that God is this very strict, unforgiving judge that wants to kill away whatever desires and dreams that you have. He's cramping your style, so you better push him away. Don't get too close, run away from him. No, 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 he's not like that. But maybe some of you think, oh, God is this very, very ungrateful, unpeaceable slave driver that just wants to work and work and work you to death. And he takes and he takes and makes you sacrifice and sacrifice. And couldn't care for one moment if you're struggling to pay your bills every week in your family. God is not like that. 
Don't think like the older brother. Let me tell you, today Jesus, our true elder brother, has come to show us the real father. But he's not a strict judge, not a severe slave driver. He is your Abba. He's your daddy God. He's here to love you. He's here to hold you in his bosom. You know, the first week when the case broke, the media was just putting a stake out outside my house. I couldn't go home because they were all there. So I moved from home to home, went to some of my staff place. Finally, after a few days, I called my dad. They brought him to come and see me. The door opened. I saw my dad. I looked haggard. I was tired. I've not slept much. My dad just looked at me. He said, son, how are you? I said, dad, dad. I said, dad, please don't believe what is being said. I said, Dad. He said, shh, shh. You don't even need to explain. He said, boy, I know you. And all you did was just give me a hug and just wept. Same thing when I met my father-in-law, son's dad. I said, Dad, Dad. Give me a hug and wept. That's what fathers are for. For us kids to just wrap inside their arms. And no matter how old you are, nothing beats being in the arms of my daddy or my father-in-law. Last night before I slept, Oh, and last night we went back and Dan couldn't sleep after the soccer game and you know, Liverpool lost and he's compassionate he's not a fan of Liverpool but he felt sorry for me <laughs> so I said, Dan, not sleeping he said, no dad, waiting for you to come wrap your arms around me and then I'll sleep so I went there and to him he was waiting for me, waiting for me. Finally, I put my arms around him, boom, in 10 seconds, boom, sleep, slept. God just wants to wrap us in his arms. What did Augustine say? Man, last words, okay? I know it's late. Sorry, pastor, it's long-winded today. Augustine says this. He says, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Let's all stand on our feet. Let's just talk in tongues right now. Just lift up your hands. Just worship. God the Father. He's Abba. He's Abba. He's Abba. Your Abba. My Abba. My Daddy. Your Daddy. Sweet and true, 
you feel a bit lost. Maybe you're not as lost as the younger brother because you have forsaken some of your old ways. You have turned from sin, turned from bad habits, things that you used to do, you're no longer doing now. But your repentance is not complete because conversion is a turning from and a turning turning to God, turning to a love relationship with the Father. And every once in a while, we can be so busy, even for, for me, I can be so busy, so busy, so busy, I become like elder brother, alienated in my heart from a father who's tender and loving, a father that's so often heartbroken, when you see us struggling through the challenges of life. How many of you feel a little lost today? Not lost in the sense of lost in sin, but lost in the sense that you're a little far away from God, your Heavenly Father. And today you want to reconnect back to Him because His arms are wide open. He's, he's waiting to welcome you back into His bosom. He would tell you, I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you, thoughts of peace to give you a hope and a future. He's opening wide his arms to say, come unto me all those that are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, come, cast all your cares upon me for I am your peace. I'm your peace that broken down every wall. How many of you feel a little lost today? I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but we just want to have a consciousness of the presence of God. How many of you today want to run a little closer to the bosom of this one who is our Abba Father, this one whom we can trust, who loves us so much, who is the center, the purpose, the core of our existence? That's you, wherever you are, just lift up your hands all over this room right now. Just tell him, just tell him that, Abba, just call him Abba, 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 Abba. No matter how old, how young, he's your Abba, he's your Abba. Shudriya, la karabaha, dariya, la karabaha,
Father, look at all these hands God lifted up today. Father, forgive us for being lost. Being lost in the midst of our busyness. Being lost in the midst of wrong priorities. Our own self-righteousness. Lord, that we focus more on the blessings and the inheritance than on you. We focus so much on the promises that we forgot on the one who gave the promises. Father, I pray you bring us back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for being the way. Now, Jesus, Holy Spirit, take us to the Father, deep into the bosom of Abba. I want you to say with me, Dear Heavenly Father, you are my Abba, you are my, Abba. My, daddy God. my Daddy God, I trust you, I, trust you. I, surrender my future. I surrender my future, in total abandonment, in total abandonment. I trust you, I trust you. you will never let me down, you will never let me down. Because, you love me. because you love me, Abba, Abba. I love you. Father of light. It is Abba through Jesus Christ, but Abba who seated us in the heavenly places with His Son. Abba. If you love Him, give Him a big clap one more time.
Amen. It's that good presence of the Lord here this morning. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg 